What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Tasty Tuesday and Tasty Loot Gaming, the show where we talk about gaming news. My name's Seth, and a couple quick reminders for you to download and play NBA 2K20 and Rise of the Tomb Raider. Both offer for free on PlayStation Plus. Make sure to download those, play those, come back at the end of this month for Plus Club. We're going to talk about those games, give you our impressions, let us know what you think of them. Also, and our game of the month randomly picked is Dragon Quest Builders 2, which is a JRPG meets Minecraft uh, Dragon Quest game. Make sure to play that if you got it or plan on buying it and uh, come back at the end of the month for game of the month. We're going to discuss that game at length. There's actually quite a bit to that game, so we're going to have a pretty lengthy uh, conversation on that. Um, so yeah, come back for that. Uh, type in hashtag STLG on your comment if you'd like your comment to be considered to be on TastyCast. Um, for our uh, responding to you guys' comments segment that we did not do in this last taste cast, we got to do that as a separate episode here soon. Uh, so yeah, if you want your comment to be read, uh, type that in, and uh, yeah, we'll read it. Um, yeah, we have a Discord link down below. You can talk to us anytime, all time. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and the podcast platforms. If you prefer to listen to us, we have a Patreon link down below as well. If you'd like to support the channel further than liking, commenting, sharing, and subscribing, and all that shit, it's all appreciated. Thank you very much. For any of that, uh, thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, so Tasty Tuesday, I got a couple things I want to talk about. As you guys may already know, uh, Ubisoft Forward just happened where they showed off a bunch of stuff. Watch Dogs Legion, uh, Far Cry 6, um, Assassin's Creed, Valhalla. And uh, we did a reaction to that on the last Tasty Cast. So if you want to see that, I would definitely say go check that out. But out of that, we've got even more information coming out. Uh, via Ubisoft, uh, and so I got two bits of news to talk about to kind of extend that conversation. First bit of news being that uh, Skull and Bones apparently is getting rebooted uh, before it even came out. It's uh, apparently it just was not what they wanted and they want to change it into something else already. So let's just jump into that real quick. Ubisoft has rebooted Skull and Bones. Pirate Game is pursuing a new live storytelling model. Uh, 13 writer and director takes lead. Um, I saw the X in the in the 111. I was like, wait, what am I X? Ubisoft has rebooted its open world pirate game Skull and Bones. Sources have told VGC, which is Video Games Chronicle. So I don't know who the fuck these guys are, but apparently they were told this. Announced at E3 2017, Skull and Bones is the first title led by Ubisoft Singapore studio heavily inspired by its work creating the naval battles for assassin's creed black flag which com makes complete sense skull and bones was set to expand the concept into a full game with customizable ships pvp multiplayer battles and a large ocean to explore either alone or with friends ubisoft had a big plan or big plans for the skull and bones ip and had even started developing a female driven tv show with production company atlas entertainment you haven't even launched the fucking game and you're like let's do a tv show uh, that's funny. The game was originally scheduled for the for a late 2018 release. That sure as fuck didn't happen. However, it's since been delayed in three consecutive years, most recently slipping to Ubisoft's financial year beginning in April 2021. And it was notably absent from this weekend's Ubisoft Forward event, which, yeah, it was, which kind of sucks. I want to see it. A couple games I kind of wanted to see there. Um, another one being... Uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2, which is a very high-profile game for me. I really want to play that. The Pirate Adventure hasn't seen or hasn't been seen since E3 2018, when Ubisoft promised to launch a beta test, which ultimately didn't take place. According to development sources, speaking under the condition of uh, anonymity, anonymity, I am 
anonymity. Midi, I can't fucking pronounce that right now. Holy shit. You guys know what I'm saying. Skull and Bones had been struggling to carve itself a unique position among Ubisoft's existing portfolio to open world games, which also includes Assassin's Creed, The Division, and Watch Dogs, which led to a success or succession of delays as Singapore attempted to refine its concepts. Last year, the decision was made to reboot the game entirely and move away from the premium box model of Ubisoft's other open-world games, sources said. Uh, VGC was told the new Skull and Bones has moved towards a live game model. The game will now feature a persistent game world with quests, characters, and storylines that will drastically evolve and change over time based on the collective actions of the community. This is unlike uh, GAAS titles like oh uh the division 2 which receive regular updates but realistic or relatively static worlds stories and content uh one person with knowledge of its development said that uh, the social and live storytelling elements of epics fortnite had been a strong inspiration for skull and bones new direction it's very interesting they said the rebooted skull and bones would have a stronger focus on collaboration as ubisoft is keen to appeal to audiences beyond the competitive action fans who usually play its other series. Uh, the reboot also brought big changes to the game's leadership, including the departure of creative director Justin Farron, who later joined Wargaming. As part of the reboot, Skullbones creative director was replaced by former editorial VP Elizabeth Pellin. VGC understands. Uh, Pellin is a 20-year Ubisoft veteran. This is up to do Skull and Bones. Uh, the respected creative spent the past decade working inside Ubisoft's influential editorial team. Cool. Skull and Bones hasn't updated its Twitter account for more than a year when it promised fans it was battening down the hatches. Got, got you. To focus on making the game as awesome as it can be. Following that post, the game was delayed again in a financial call. Commenting on the game's most recent delay in October 2019, Ubisoft CEO Yves Guimont said it was a very big product for us with huge potential and that the company wanted to make sure it released at a level that will surprise and please all gamers for the long term. Sounds very corporate. Sounds very PR friendly. Ubisoft declined to comment on this story. Of course they did. On Sunday, the publisher's forward event did not address the company's ongoing... Okay. Um... They have so much to say about everything. Uh, okay, so this is all very interesting, specifically because they did kind of stop talking about this fucking game. Um, so it's it's kind of odd because Ubisoft is a really Ubisoft's a company that's really good about communication a lot of the time. Most of the time, I can't think of a time they're not really good at communication. Their games come out, they go, "We're sorry, we're gonna fix it." They do it typically. Um, you know, they'll they'll hype up a game, but you know, we haven't seen a whole lot on Beyond Good and Evil Two. But that's kind of an, a weird game. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of letting that be, but this game was also kind of like shown off here, shown off there. Um, they say a little bit about it, but that's about it. And then just kind of goes silent for a while, which has been really bad for communication. Now we're finding out that it's being rebooted before it even came out, which is probably a good thing. Um, they, you know, might've been playing the game already and going like, I don't think this is going to be good enough. I don't think this is something that people are going to want to play. And I can respect that if they want to do that, but it does kind of worry me at this point on do they know what they're doing um this idea of having this like world that's constantly kind of evolving as you play it as a, games as a service model um sounds kind of cool but um the original concept also sounded very cool so this is yeah i'm, I'm hoping it goes in a good direction but um 
I don't know. This is starting to kind of worry me, just because it seems like they're really kind of trying to figure out what this game should be um, mid-development, which you should have already had that plan ahead of time. The original concept sounded really cool. I like the idea of like being with your friends and being on a ship and going around fucking getting into these pirate battles and shit. It sounded really cool. Um, to make that into more of like a, like a persistent world MMO style thing could be really cool. Could be really cool. Um, it's just the development time on this is kind of worrying me a bit. Um, but uh, hopefully we hear something soon about it because the, that we're not seeing anything on it. They did reboot it, I guess. So it makes sense they're not showing anything. If they're rebooting it, it means essentially they're restarting. Obviously the assets are going to be there. They can start. They're not starting from scratch, but they are you know, changing systems, changing mechanics in the game. And um, that's going to take time. And whatever their finished product is going to be, it's uh, the original footage is not going to be indicative of that. Although I don't believe it'll be that much different. I think it's more so going to be different in the sense that they're going to make it feel more like a faux MMO, like The Division, and less like a uh, For Honor online, you know, versus game. Uh, which it originally kind of sounded like. It sounded like a purely PvP-driven game. Maybe had some NPCs in it. But now this is starting to sound like they're going to make it more like a... I hesitate to say MMO, because I'm a traditionalist when it comes to MMOs, and it has to be like a massively multiplayer world um, for it to be an MMO. And this will probably be more instance-based, um, or you know, smaller uh, servers with you know, plenty of people, but not like a shitload. Um, but... Uh, I would, I would assume that's what they're going to go for. But given Ubisoft's fucking habit lately of wanting to make everything at games as a service and a loot-driven game, honestly kind of drive me fucking crazy. Um, so hopefully this isn't just following The Division. Uh, because they did that with Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and I didn't buy that game. I played it uh, in the alpha, which was crazy. I actually couldn't talk about it. And it was kind of a fucking mess um but when i found out they're turning into a looter shooter the original concept i played wasn't a looter shooter um but when i found out they're turning to a looter shooter i was like no don't turn fucking ghost recon into a looter shooter uh that's not what that game is and so i didn't buy it and then eventually they made the uh the i forget what's called but it's like the realism update that uh makes it feel more like a traditional ghost recon game and, and i bought it on epic game store for like 10 bucks i was like i can't that this is you know that's nothing for a game, you know, of this size. I played it, and th there's a couple things I don't like about the game, but the gameplay is fine now, uh, if you play it like that, for me personally. So, you know, that's another game that succumbed to the idea of a, of a games as a service, not games as a service, I guess it's kind of a game service, but like a looter shooter, uh, it's not a FOMO either, but, you know, it's four-player cooperative, but it's still like, it's, it's going into that direction of finding loot, finding leveled areas, and having to fight, you know, certain level enemies everywhere it starts feeling similar to an mmo it's the same as division division 2 and so if this game is going down the same path i wonder if they're going to release the game it doesn't do well and then they're going to try and revert it back to its original state the original idea um so yeah i mean ho I, I hope all in all that where they're going with this game um is worth it i hope whoever's in charge of this uh, has a great vision for it. I think it's interesting that they're uh, interested in this live storytelling element uh, of like uh, Fortnite, um, because I don't play Fortnite. I don't give a shit about Fortnite. I don't hate Fortnite. I just don't care about it. 
Um, but one thing I do like that Fortnite does is they really support that game with crazy events. And it's kind of leading the industry in what you can do in like an online platform like that. Um, that game has evolved much further than what that game deserves uh, in terms of it as a genre, in, in a genre, as a game. Um, but Epic has really, like, went, we make a lot of money on this. We got a lot of people uh, who are invested in this game. Let's do these crazy big events. And I don't think this game will do that, Skull and Bones. But I think it's cool they're inspired by that. I think more games should be inspired by that because they have done some really, really cool things in Fortnite that just has expanded what video games can do. Um, I know it's a big claim, but they really have. It's crazy. So uh, even if you don't like Fortnite, you can still look at it and go, that's crazy. They do these huge live events and shit where, like, you know, there's, like, celebrities or whatever the fuck um, doing these, you know, concerts or whatever. It's, it's really kind of crazy. So... Um, I think a lot of, uh, specifically, online-centric games could learn something from that. But overall, um, this does honestly concern me a little bit. Um, I hope it does go in a direction that's good. I hope it gets fucking released. I'm sure it will. Uh, it sounds like it's kind of in development a little bit, but at the same time, it's being rebooted. So uh, they're, they're starting over, kind of. And uh, I hope it works. I hope it works. Um, I was actually, I went, ugh, it's, it's so disappointing, because I remember when I first saw it, I was like, eh. I don't know if you can make a whole game based off that. And then I saw another one later, another video, and I was like, oh shit, this is actually starting to look really good. So they started winning me over. And now they're like, wait, that game that you were getting excited about doesn't exist. We have a different game we're working on now. Um, so let's let's see it. Let's see a video. Until then, I can't get excited for it, and I can only get a little worried when I start seeing uh, people kind of going... Uh, I don't know what we're doing with the game. That's never a good sign. So let me know in the comments. What do you guys think about uh, Ubisoft's reboot of Skull and Bones? Are you worried about it? Are you not worried about it? Do you not care about this game? Are you excited for this game? Were you excited for the original concept of this game? Do you think the new concept will be good? Um, are you excited about this female-driven TV show of Skull and Bones? Uh, for a game that hasn't even released. So how could we be stoked for it? But does that sound cool to you? Um... And uh, what do you hope from uh, this reboot? Uh, do you do you hope to see a lot of like loot, uh, a lot of uh, I don't know, fucking MMO like mechanics, uh, questing stuff like that? Uh, let me know everything you think about when it comes to Skull and Bones and its reboot in the comments below. Second bit of news is a bit of Assassin's Creed Valhalla news and some very very small text. Uh, we'll get through it. Also masks. Masks are popular right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, apparently there's a 30-minute video of gameplay for Valhalla. I'd like to do a reaction video to that. So let me know in the comments if you'd like to see that. I'm going to watch it regardless, so I could always record it. Um, but, yeah, Assassin's Creed Valhalla will have almost no side quests. None. They're going to have live concerts inspired by Fortnite. I'm joking. The flow of Assassin's Creed Valhalla involves world events in place of traditional side quests. The Assassin's Creed series has always been filled with side quests to complete alongside the main storyline, and these have grown especially prominent in the recent role-playing games like Origins and Odyssey. For Assassin's Creed Valhalla, however, Ubisoft has completely changed its approach to side quests. In fact, they aren't really in the game at all. Speaking to GameSpot just before Ubisoft Forward, narrative director Darby McDevitt, uh, Darby McDevitt, uh... <laughs> interesting name, that's fun to say, explained that world events are included in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but the traditional side quest is almost non-existent. There are no longer story arcs to complete uh, as part of the main quest line. 
uh, but extra activities you complete will happen more spontaneously uh, and won't necessarily be quests you have to seek out. Um, so kind of like you're just playing the game, doing the main quest, and then something will kind of branch out from that organically, kind of sounds like. Kind of interesting sounding, but also I'm, I'm a little confused. This approach was chosen to fit the narrative as the protagonist Ivor, Ivor uh, arrives in England as an invader rather than a native. Having quest givers left and right would not make sense as you're still actively trying to make alliances. Comes out November 17th, all that shit. So this is a very, very short article. It doesn't really say a whole lot. It says they're not, they're getting rid of traditional side quests, which is really kind of crazy because the last two games are chocked fucking full of side quests. So that's really kind of crazy to me. Um, and then to do these kind of like, uh, I guess, spontaneous events that are going to happen, world events, I guess. Uh, I guess it's it sounds like a more formatted side quest almost uh so I, I don't i mean i wish there was more info on this they don't really say a whole lot here my opinion on this though is you know if they can nail it i don't know what they're talking about specifically i wish i knew uh but if they can if they can nail it i won't i won't have an issue um i do believe that the last two assassin's creed games had way too much shit in them and it's a weird thing to say but um the games play great there's a lot lot to do um a lot of places to go but they're daunting. There's so much shit in those games to go do that it gets, for someone like me, it gets really hard to, I have to kind of just force myself to go down the main quest because I get sidetracked for too long and the quests aren't as interesting as a game, like an Elder Scrolls game where you have like different, um, you know, uh, story paths that are more interesting, I guess. Uh, for me personally, I, by Elder Scrolls, I mean like older Elder Scrolls games. I'm not a big fan of Skyrim. but uh, Or like a game like Cyberpunk, I haven't played it obviously, but that game's going to have these branching storylines and things that I'm going to want to get invested in, where it's like a game like Odyssey or Origin. You're just going to go talk to someone. They're going to be like, oh, I lost my sheep out in the field. And then like you're going to have to go out there and kill some people and come back. And it feels more like an MMO in that sense and less like these really interesting narratives that are playing out. Uh, it's not The Witcher 3. That's the best example. The Witcher 3 had amazing side quests. Uh, and most games don't have side quests that, that good. So the idea of um, them rethinking the way they do side quests in these games um, is, is, is fine to me. Uh, as long as it's not... I don't want to play a game that just doesn't have side quests too. In the sense that it doesn't have other things to do. Because it's going to be an open world. So um, it's going to be interesting to, to see what they do. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of information. This is almost... This, this almost exists just so they could be the first ones to say it uh, before Twitter goes crazy with it, possibly. Or as Twitter's going, hey, there's no side quests. The game spot can go, hey, did you guys know there's no side quests? And everybody on Twitter's like, yeah, we know. Get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah, so because that doesn't have a whole lot going on, I'm just going to watch the Assassin's Creed video. So I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm just going to watch it. So fucking let's just jump in and uh, listen about it. So let me know in the comments, though, when it comes to the side quest thing. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you have more info on that than uh, GameSpot? And uh, and what are your opinions on it? Uh, are you are you okay with it? Are you not okay with it? Would you prefer um, uh, traditional side quests? Are you more okay with these dynamic events that happen uh, as you play through the game uh, for you know reasons of you know this isn't a territory that you're going to be friendly with everybody, so it doesn't make sense for you to be doing side quests, and more so makes sense to just be experiencing side quests i guess dynamically uh let me know everything you think about in the comments below but yeah we're gonna watch this video and uh 
see what the fuck they have to say about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I have not watched this, so uh, this is uh, this is me reacting to it. Three, two, one, go. Welcome to the Ubisoft Forward post show. My name hey, is Yusuf McGeed, and this All is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. We're going to take a deep dive into the made a, a big deal about that guy in the fucking Ubisoft Forward. Hey everyone, uh, this is Philip Bergeron, uh, otherwise known as Fizz. I am the quest director on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So, Fizz, we're setting up here for what looks like an epic encounter. Fizz. Tell us exactly what's going on here. Yeah, so here we're midway through the uh, the quest that we're showing um, for you before. Here we're looking at the assault of Bird Castle. Um, so these are big moments that usually uh, sort of culminate at the end of the story. And so here Avar, our Viking raider, is taking a group of raiders and firds into Bird Castle to go and take down Ruid uh, and his clan. So who exactly kind of reminds Ruid me of For Honor. Why does Eivor That's interesting. Pick a fight with him? Basically, Ruid comes into play about halfway through this story arc, where at the beginning of the arc, this is something that, that happens before, Ruid basically caused a lot of turmoil within the territory, and nice Oswald, who's the sort of elderman to be to inherit this territory, needs your help to take him down. Oswald having just been defeated in a previous quest, and so here, this is revenge, but also... Man, that guy was just locked on. So Goddamn. Seeing some of the combat of Valhalla, can you tell us a little bit about the changes to combat this time around? We wanted to uh, basically cool. add a lot of new mechanics to it, so we added like some dual wielding for the player, like a stun system in there, and we really needed to do this to sort of portray that sort of the brutality that comes with being a Viking in the NHL. That was fucking crazy. That's cool. Sasquatch always had a really good like finisher system. Fucked up. Normally in movies you see him like stab through him, but that guy just went and like poked him like a fucking needle. He lives. Oswald lives. He looks like a dickhead. Shut your ass, Twigspine. Here, Avor has shut your ass through the assault, and finally it's revealed that our elderman, our ally Oswald, is still alive, and Ruid has him captive. So this is what it comes to, Wolfkist. Two Danes fighting over a filthy Saxon whore, son! I like how that guy's slapping that guy around and choking him and shit, and she's just up there just going like, Yeah, dude. So now that we've seen that Oswald is alive, we have Ruid within our Did she do damage when she jumped through him? So the next move for Eivor is to finally uh, face off against Ruid. It, it seems like, I know you can kind of move a little bit in the last two games, but you seem to really be fucking flying all over the place in this. In one of our boss battles, Damn, you got trucked, homie. And it's worth pointing out, actually, that here what we're showing is the player um, going and facing off against Ruid aggressively, but you, we tend to always have a to support a 360 degree approach in these things. So the player could have approached us a little bit more stealthily and gotten at least like a good critical hit on either Ruid or his wolf. And so you can play this a little bit more strategically if that's your play style. So we're not only fighting Ruid here, but also his pet wolf, right? Here, one of my preferred strategies is to eliminate the wolf first. Just focus fire on him. It takes at least one opponent out of the Preferred combat. strategies, plural. Anyone who's played a game is going to take out the ads. Wolf. 
Um, but I it think makes sense. You need to cut the fucking the DPS that's gonna be fucking coming your way. Good strategy, uh, in the hole. Out. Get rid of multiple people, and if he's weaker, you're gonna want to kill him. You guys, talk about that like it's some fucking lead strats. When I play a first-person shooter, my one of my favorite strategies is to get headshots when they allow it. When they when the gun permits me to do this, as I'm not great at shooting. We are better than this, than all of them. Do not drag me down to the sewage you wallow in. Damn. That's really upset. These wastrels. These arrogant swine! Evil! No! He should be tried before God. A lawful assembly. <laughs> Alright, so we've defeated Ruid, we've freed Oswald. What comes next? Oswald, in this case, prefers for Ruid to be kept alive. And so you basically have to choose, are you going to go against his witches, or t stay true to your nature? So we have this choice to make, but before we get into that, I want to rewind a little bit, because we just did this big, grand assault but Eivor couldn't have done it alone. Uh, she clearly had to recruit some folks along the way, get some troops, get Man, some Man, this is starting to just look like a so fucking RPG. And see how we went about Which is cool. gathering those troops. Right, so when coming up to an assault, it's a game of numbers. Eivor can go into pretty much any location and be uh, a stealthy Viking, eliminating some of the assets, which ultimately would be a strategy. You can do that. And you'll have some um, some of the ingredients or uh, of the assets there that will have been sabotaged, but you still need a army. So here, what we're seeing is Avor going around the countryside and raising what we call a third, which is the men and the women of the territory who come up and fight in the name of a king. So here, Avor is going around and trying to convince people to fight in the name of Oswald to finally take down the oppressor that is Ruid. Defending East Anglia, defending you. I wonder if any of your choices are actually going to matter, or if they're just to get different dialogue, which is fine, because it's standard, it's typical, you see that in a lot of games, but um, it'd be cool if they started giving you a little more choice in your journey. So we're told by this Reeve that there are troops, there are allies that he could add to our cause. But I don't know. First we sort of need to do him a favor, is that right? Yeah, so um, obviously these people have been run down by Ruid and uh, the, the impact he's had on the territory. So I think a lot of these people have sort of lost hope. And so you need to show them that there is hope. And so here Eivor is basically helping them take back one of their, their prized locations um, by taking a couple men and raiding a nearby um, township basically taking it back for the people and showing that there's there's a reason to continue fighting. For gameplay, it doesn't bother me because I'm okay with convenience, but it does really break immersion for me when that ship is a, like a transformer and fucking docks and fucking goes to sea so quickly. When we watched uh, the Ubisoft Forward yesterday, day before, um, day before, fucking... They're all like pushing off and they just instantly go whoop and move the ship over like it's made of plastic and they just take off instantly. And whenever you stop, the sails goes and just kind of flies down like a transformer. Not a big deal, something I notice. It's, it's funny looking to me, but it's not a realistic game either, so I'm not too worried about it. And again, if I want to just get and go, fucking, I'm not going to be complaining. 
Damn, that guy's just on fire. That was crazy looking. Fizz, we just saw this giant pulse go out. What exactly was that? So that is actually is what we call the Odin site. The Odin site is basically our interpretation of the uh, Fizz side dog from previous games, and we thought it was good to sort of bring that back. It's basically Avor's intuition. It's how she perceives the world. When Blair uses that, you can it'll highlight basically interactive objects, damn, like things that damn. will bring her an advantage. So we'll have arrows, um, like health consumables that are in there. So it really is like a good way of sort of understanding the world and showing you like things that you can go and touch. So it's holding like controller alt in a game to see all items in the room. Yeah, I mean, speaking of things we can touch, we just picked up this awesome new weapon. It's something we wanted to play with on Assassin's Creed Valhalla, where we have fewer weapons in the game, but you can invest in them more so they become your weapon. And so depending what your preferred playstyle is or your preferred weapon type then you can hmm. go and choose i'm gonna i'm gonna fight with this weapon and invest heavily into that not only are we fewer weapons i don't know if i like that but can you tell us a little bit more about that the unlock skills there's enough stuff to do with it that'll be cool dive that has just been unlocked we have these spread out throughout the world so again to promote exploration and discovery as you travel through the world and you hopefully there's reasons to not dual wield as well I, i'm really stuck with the dual thing i think it sounds awesome but i feel like everybody's gonna be doing in, it put into your loadout then go into the different locations with the different uh, quests in the game and use though depending on what your playstyle is now we've recaptured this village we've secured more troops for our assault let's jump back now and figure out what we want to do with ruin The rightful king of East Anglia has spared your life today, and so it will be. He's really upset you and fucking just murder him. For anyone, Eivor, including you. Thank you. What compassion? That guy's Eivor fucked out of the way. Ruid is really angry about that. Being a Norse Viking, being put to the death in battle is your road to Valhalla. So he was basically denied access to Valhalla. In this yeah, situation. what's the compassion Obviously, there? Obviously, all of these decisions come into play later on in the game. So we have very difficult decisions for the player to make. We didn't want to have easy uh, decisions. Yeah, you know, when I was playing, I, I decided to listen to Oswald and spare Ruid's life. But what exactly is the relationship like between Eivor and Oswald? So the it's been real hard for me to listen to Oswald. Look at that guy. It's an alliance. It's uh, basically Eivor is surrounded by territories um, that initially getting into England are hostile towards her. And um, obviously, if you want to set up a new settlement, you want to have make sure that your neighbor is friendly. Um, so here in East Anglia, Oswald is the man for the job where putting him into Ooh, okay. would help her sort of secure her territory. Um, so earlier on to the territory, Eivor uh, comes in here, meets Oswald. The problems he had with Red are sort of put to light, and going through the arc, you basically help him deal with Red and, and aligning basically Danes with Saxons in one um, territory. So, Fizz, we've completed the assault. We've gotten our hands dirty with some combat, taken down Ruid. We have this big open region of East Anglia, so before we head off to Oswald's wedding, what do you say we head out, have some fun, and see what we can get into in the open world? That sounds great. So we see a cat here with a speech bubble above it, and you best believe if you let me talk to a cat, I'm going to talk to a cat. Yeah, these, these are some of our... Um 
some of my favorite moments actually in the game where we put in put out a whole bunch of events throughout the territory. Um, and it's sort like of calling a cat handsome and it fucking runs off. It's a it's a chance for us also to sort of showcase a different side of Avor. A lot of the quests sort of deal worth more with like politics and warfare, and this shows a slightly more human nature to her. Uh, so it permitted us to explore that character a little bit more. I really like the design, like uh, the landscapes, the buildings, so the towns. They all like look way better than the last couple games. They looked fine, but the setting just wasn't for me. Odyssey had some pretty cool looking places crew, though. Uh, as a cat raider. You just said cat raider way too casually. You're telling me I could have a cat Viking Raider on my longship? That's that's exactly what I'm telling you. Oh my god, yes, I love it. Perfect. <laughs> that was pretty cool. So yeah, I'm not gonna as, lie. as you're riding around the, the, the rivers of England, you would see a cat basically walking around your longship, keeping your Viking Raiders company. You know, speaking of the Viking longship, we're seeing some of that gameplay here now. Can you talk a little bit about how that works and functions in Valhalla? Those sounds are awful so sounding. Out on this I think the Viking longship is one of the, the biggest images that we all have when we think about Vikings in our game. And so Vikings had this, this awesome design for a longship that had a very shallow hull, so it permitted them to go very far inland very quickly, and you could basically disembark uh, Viking raiders like on pretty much any shore. We added that into the game where you can basically s sail up to any location and then just decide to disembark with your guys and raid a location, loot all this treasure, get back in the ship, and then continue really, uh, sailing down the river That's um, cool. to your next opportunity. So I know past Assassin's Creed games allowed for songs and things like that to be sung on ships. Will Valhalla have a similar version of that? Yeah, so this is something we, we actually wanted the the crew of your ship to become like your your home away from home. So we added stories and songs into uh, the ship. So basically, as the player is going around, you could decide to have your skull sort of sing a song for you as you row down the river. But you can also decide... The game obviously the is taking a lot of the DNA of what they've done with Assassin's Creed at this point forward. So it seems you know, like Assassin's Creed. But at the same time, the new setting, a lot of the little features they're all adding is kind of culminating to something that feels like it's going to be more... Moment. Um, I don't know, expansive as as view. this exactly RPG like? that we they're really trying to build. Where you would, like, yeah, I'm just going to ride those fucking birds. You could pull out, have the road, the the horse sort of follow the track. We have a similar thing for the ship where you can put up your sails. It's cruise control for the ship, so you can pull back, take in the scenery, listen to some songs or some stories, and just take it all in. And it seems pretty cool. So, you know, speaking of Viking songs, we have an activity here that's not exactly singing, but kind of related, right? Yeah, so here what we have is what we call flighting, which was an activity that Norse people would partake in. They would like to have a battle of wits and, and sort of poetry, where insults would be thrown back and forth between each other. Well, like a rap battle? To try and have a good insult, um, but also to have a good rhythm and These guys are like a fucking good rhyme in there. So it, it's Ubisoft Ford, they're like, precursor to Oh, uh, Vikings were really sneaky people, honestly. You didn't know that. They're like ninjas. And now they're like, they used to rap battle. To all those whom I speak, they say Ava was a clod. Then you're speaking to fools and their knowledge is flawed. Well... How exactly do you go about being successful in one of these? 
The, the trick behind a good flight was to choose the right insult, um, identifying the right Yeah, insult him, not the other people. trying to find what rhymed the best. I'm known for my might. Interesting. Interesting. Silent whispers all claim that you're terribly dense. Then you've clearly misheard them. My wit is immense. Oh, you looked out with that one. Well, you can be commenting on this little boy looking like a fucking hobbit. Ravenclan is a true talent. I'm shocked. Don't believe everything you hear, unless it touches on my flighting. Then heed every word. Take the coin. So now that we've proven our sharp tongue and wit, uh, I think it's time for a bit more relaxing activity. So we're we're fishing here. Yeah, that's it. Okay, um, how's fishing though? So. We gave Damn, Eivor a fishing line, so you can actually throw out a line and, and go catch some fish. Um, this is used basically to uh, uh, to play into our new health loop, where the player will lose health in, in the world, and it doesn't automatically generate regenerate like we would have in the past. So you actually have to go out and get some some supplies. So you'll find mushrooms. So you actually have uh, HP. Some food that you can gather, but here like. We, you, you can also catch some fish and consume that to regain some health. If we also so, will sometimes have it in, in certain quests, so it's a good way to sort of chill out on the side of the uh, of the water and just, again, take it all in. This is going to be a staple in all Ubisoft games soon. Just hunting and fishing. Which is fine. I like, so I'm like. i playing Far Cry 5 again right now, and altars. I fucking love hunting. So the it. idea is that you, you find these around the world, and... You make offerings to it, so it'll take like animal parts and stuff that you can find throughout the world. Here, what you're seeing though is sort of like a, a fancy version of it, where as you do your offering, you get interrupted by some some kids that basically come and steal your stuff. So it was just a way for us to sort of showcase that, like the systems and the activities in the world can sort of play in with some some quests and some little events. So it's our way to sort of dress up these moments and make it all fit inside the the whole experience. Yeah, this seemed like a really sort of unexpected turn for what I thought was going to be kind of a simple interaction. Yeah, and it's really what we were trying to do with these events is to, is to give another dimension to Eivor, other than just, you know, the pure rar Viking or the politician. Because you can Ghost imagine bunnies. at some point that will we'll grow old if you're always telling that, that, that version of the character. So it, it lets us really go into the depth of who is Eivor. Uh, this game already has a huge edge in the last couple games for me too. Because I just I really like the scenery. Uh, like it really matters. Like if I'm running around a world I don't really enjoy. The gameplay better be fucking good. The story better be good. Because otherwise you know I'm not enjoying exploring. But in this I'm looking at everything. It looks fucking great. So who exactly are these two children? These are kids That's a of great question. Where the they fuck are, are your parents at? Going through tough times um, with whatever root it's been doing to the territory. And so they're just here trying to survive. They're out here looking like fucking um, exploit the people Senwa. that are there to make offerings. It was kind of nice to see that Eivor wasn't really necessarily upset at them for stealing. And, you know, after you talk to them, you have the choice of helping them. You can, you know, give them food, give them some money, um, or, you know, maybe just say, hey, good luck, on your way. Yeah, and then this is something we also wanted to do a lot. Like, so here we're doing an event, we do it in quests as well. But we wanted I should have said that when I was a kid, dude. When I got in trouble, fucking be like, I'm not bad children. I'm just hungry. And sort of shape Eivor a little bit. Um... 
who she is, so it represents them a little bit more, and they can role play that a little bit uh, better. Give them food. Again, if you give them, you give them money, they're gonna go buy drugs, alcohol. You know the whole thing. You know what people say. Those kids are just looking for the next fucking hit. Yes, it's a Saint Martin seal. You're welcome here anytime, Large Walker. You're one of us now. Visit us, okay? I will. Take care now, small green walkers. Should have called that a fucking hobbit nerd a fucking so poetry guy, small green walker. This here, but uh, what exactly is Avor chasing down? Yeah, so here you're seeing Avor. Yeah, he said that like he was inconvenienced. One of our tattoo uh, images. So this is challenging the player on free run abilities, but also for fans of the series, sort of pulling at their heartstrings for some beloved features. <laughs> so are we going to be able to tattoo Avor? Yes, by collecting these tattoos, you actually bring yes. them to your settlement, and then you can customize different body parts, having different tattoos everywhere. So again, another form of expression, and sort of to represent that that Viking culture. Fizz, one of my favorite things when I was just out there exploring East Anglia was coming. I feel like I should buy this on PC. And realizing that there or was a chest inside. But it's coming around the same time consoles are new consoles, so maybe case, that. But I saw all the doors were barred. It uh, it's it's a really good looking game. There, I'd like to see it the highest graphics. Inside, uh, so I went around the back and you know found a way in. Yeah, I'm glad you actually caught on to that. You're pointing at something that we wanted to work on a lot on Valhalla, where. We wanted the exploration to make you feel smarter, so we, we played a lot with puzzle solving, so making sure that every house that you find sort of appeals to you, like it draws your attention, and then when you want to come and explore, it's not it's not given to you. You still have to work for a little bit, so it'll challenge you on your observation skills, um, logic, just trying to find how do I get into this. So we play a lot with uh, level design, quest design, to offer challenges to players, and you basically come out of it like with a better feeling for the exploration, but you also get to see more of a story behind any of these locations which we've crafted so it, it gave us a little bit more time to sort of slow down the experience and and tell a different version of a story a poor victim of someone's fury yeah i mean speaking Fuck about eh. exploration and just finding things out in the world i was just wandering and came across this clearing and found this kind of morbid altar yeah so this is this is one of the events that we we have um scattered in the world so as eivor explores um she can find um altars like this and by interacting with them here it's a trap that's been set um for by by this character named regan um now there's a bigger story behind all this it, it, there's multiple steps to it later on um so this this is one of the moments uh it, it, it permits us to go into a slightly more mystical realm and play mm -hmm. with a boss fight that has more magical abilities if we will and kind of flirting with that since uh and basically have this origins awesome boss fight in the middle of the swamps and so here the I don't know if that was the video lag or the game uh, lag. That was uh, a little bit on the mystical side of things. Unsettling. What's happening is Eivor at the beginning of that trap is poison, and so she starts sort of hallucinating, seeing the world in a sort of different uh, light and filter. Um, and so that that's sort of what lets us go into this this the the realm of the weird. 
Realm of the Weird. saw here that Regan belongs to something called the Daughters of Lyria. Yeah, this is a pretty cool animation where she's stabbing her and shit. She's still trying to fight. Story on who they are, so we don't want to spoil that too much, but it creates like a, a sort of greater story that is not on the main path in any way, but it is still very rich and adds to the lore of this world and actually plays into history. So we just had a really exciting, really intense boss battle. I think it's time for something a little bit more relaxing and calming now. Like yeah, fishing? It's all, here it's all about or calling cats handsome? Yourself with the highs and the lows. So here we have a low chill moment of what we call building a cairn. So Eivor, as she explores the world, will find these sort of meditative areas where you have a, a pile of rocks that you could just stack on one and on top of another using physics. And I mean, yeah, the, the ultimate goal is to try and get the highest pile of rocks. But really it's about taking in the sights, um, relaxing, taking a step back, and, and build, just building something. It's very unexpected. It's not really a feature I'm super excited on, but it's kind of neat. Oh, you fucked up. I mean, you can spend as much time as you want building these things, making them as high as you want, as weird as you want. I I'm sure, like, a lot of these stuff will People are going to do some really weird shit with this. Structures. And the cool thing is that once you've built it and you decide to get out of it, it sort of stays there. And so that's yours, right? And until the moment where you come back and you want to build a new one, it's, it's sort of cool that we were able to, to give that to players to express themselves. At this point in the demo, we've explored East Anglia, Express myself with the rocks. That's neat. I like the idea of side things to do that are like meditative and not just combat. Things to find, explore. See, this looks really neat. I'm really impressed with the way this game looks. By the moment you get into the territory, sort of like mentioned by Oswald. Like I'm sold just on the idea of exploring this world. Get married with his Dane lady. And so as you go through the arc, um, that's sort of like the underlying thread. Really, it's about Ruid creating Oswald looks like a Dane lady. territory and helping Oswald sort of um, get above that and, and show that Don't punch that little boy, you're going to so kill him. you finally, after going through all of that arc, uh, finally get these two together, go through their, their, we their wedding, and you're invited to attend the ceremony. Um, and then all the uh, activities and fun times that come afterwards. Yeah, as much as we've seen the brutal side of England, we it's nice to see you know the joyous side of it as well. Yeah, and it's something we really wanted to, to play on in, in Valhalla, where being a Viking is not only about being a raider or a warrior. I mean, there's revelry, there's feasting, there's partying that goes, and like if, if someone knows how to party, it's a Viking. And so here, this is one of our opportunities to sort of show that. Not only were what a, they uh, sort of Viking gathering ninjas. Is. What's cool here is it's a, it's a good alliance of cat petters. They're partiers. Culture, sort of Nobody parties like a Viking. Together, um, and building bridges. Yeah, I mean, what's a wedding without some drunk archery, right? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, so like, that's cool. Anything can happen in a in a Viking event, right? Eivor, yeah, here, here, just get drunk and shoot some arrows. So this is kind of stacking on top of the article I read. There's barely an article talking about how it's not going to be traditional side quests, but more so like dynamic things. It seems like there's a flow to this game of constant events that are just kind of happening around you that you can maybe partake in, which is interesting. So here we see the decision I made to spare Ruid came back to bite us. So you're yeah, telling me I should just murder decision him? So and this is a big one. I challenge you. I accept. You're basically presented with the option to sort of step in for Oswald, fight the fight for him, or let sure him do. go and fight his own fight. Yeah, you know, personally, you want to sit there and watch Oswald fight? fight You're playing the game? You want to fight people? So, I'm more interested in what happens if you told him to fight. This is an obvious route. You're going to fight him, you're going to kill him. How does this encounter with Ruid differ from our previous fight with him? Uh, so at this point, you've eliminated. But if Oswald well fights so him, does he just like and fucking beat so his ass or what? Get step in anyway? I, I can imagine that happening. Oswald's fucking. Who am I done? You're like, all right, I'm a Viking. I got no fucking morals. I'm just gonna come in and kill. Um, so it's way more vicious, way faster. Um, there's less strategy. He goes. I Oswald's over there, just wanna have a conversation. You. Um, uh, uh, Evor. So um, excuse me. Uh, I'd like a diet Pepsi while you're at it. Bro, Rude's kind of a fucking bitch. And of course here, like, this is a decision you made to go and fight him, but there's multiple outcomes to this scenario. You could have let uh, Oswald cool. fight his own fight. Um, That's what I want to hear. Basically his station as, as the rightful leader. I'm going to let him if fight. Had eliminated Ruid, obviously I feel like if he accepted that fight, he should do more it. Joyous occasion. Um, but ultimately, in all scenarios, you still they're not going to let him die. He seems like an important character. Be, um, the right leader for this territory, um, and to be a good ally for you. I promised you an alliance, and now you have it, bro. And one day I will need you. Glad to hear it. Homies for life. So we're about to take off from the wedding. Even if everybody in this game's a little boy next to you. Yeah, so Finner, Finner is probably one of the more recurring characters in, in this art. Finner! Meet him very on. He's a very endearing character, um, sort of used to have a Viking life, sort of misses it, and going through all these adventures together is sort of like uh, lights that fire back, and so he's he's willing to join you in your raiders. Um, so he's one of many raiders that you'll, you'll encounter in the game, and you can sort of recruit, bring back home, and then have them sort of join you on your adventures on the on longship. He can tell you these stories that we're telling you about, get a little, to know a little bit more about him. Um, so again, it's a fun way to sort of discover more about these characters that you meet and bring him along for adventures. Together. Together. I'll gather my things. Well, folks, we've come to the end of our Assassin's Creed Valhalla playthrough. Fizz, thank you so much. For Wunderbar. When and where can people play it? 
Assassin's Creed Valhalla will be out on Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 and is coming to Xbox One, PlayStation 4, PC, and Stadia on November 17th. I think he deepened his voice for that. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Like that. November 17th. Alright, overall, um, I'm sold on this game. I'm pretty excited for it, honestly. Um, you know, I feel like I know what I'm getting into when it comes to playing this game, just because I played the last, well, I played most of the games, but played the last two games, I really enjoyed them. Um, I think they're really well done. I like the direction they're going. Um, this one seems like it's really going to be the one to, to really win me over, though. Because, like I said, I, I the settings are okay. The stories are okay, in my opinion. The combat's fun. I like that it has stealth. Uh, the worlds are big and expansive, sometimes too big and expansive. I like the RPG elements, but uh, this one just seems like a setting that I'm going to really be able to get into. It's got a lot of really cool small features that they're adding, kind of live-in features. The whole uh, cairn, or the hell it's called. Uh, rock stacking is interesting. The rap battles are interesting. Um, there's just a lot of live-in qualities to this game that, that you'd expect from a more traditional RPG, Western RPG specifically. Um, that they are each game slowly, slowly embracing. I feel like two games from now, when it comes to Assassin's Creed, we will have departed fully from the original DNA of Assassin's Creed outside of the climbing things and jumping off towers into fucking hay bales, uh, the stealth aspects of Assassin's Creed and the parkour aspects. Outside of that, it seems like we're really, really leaving uh, the original games, which is fine. Um, they're doing the slow evolution. I'm into it. Um, but, you know, I'm a much bigger fan of RPGs than I am of the original Assassin's Creed games. They were fine. They were good. I'm not the biggest Assassin's Creed fan, but I like them. Um, but their systems got really repetitive and kind of fucking boring after a while. Every game consisted of a lot of, like, go walk in the crowd and be part of it and walk with them and then assassinate a dude with your blade and then run from people. And then when you get cornered, fucking fight them. And that was pretty much the whole game. And then find high points to look around and shit. And we've really left that um, with this, you know, RPG-esque open world, run into random people, have all these different conversations, uh, do all these random things, explore, find things, uh, system that they've really kind of implemented, which I'm really happy about. Overall, I'm excited. I think the game looks great. I love the world. I think it looks really good, really lush, really colorful. Ugh, colorful and uh i i really um am excited to play it. it's not my most hyped game but it's definitely it's a game i will be picking up first day when it releases so uh excited overall uh can't wait to play it i already said that so uh let me know in the comments what do you guys think of Assassin's creed valhalla what do you think of the 30 minute gameplay uh is there stuff in there that you're really excited for is it more of the same shit uh what feature are you most excited for that's new what ex what are you excited for in general what do you think about the traditional side quests getting thrown out the window with more dynamic um, world events that happen as you play the game? What do you think about the handsome cat, the rap battling, the cairn uh, rock stacking, and everything else? Let me know everything you're thinking about in the comments below. But that's going to do it for this episode of Tasty Tuesday on Tasty Loot Gaming. As always, thank you for watching. Make sure to like and subscribe. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to check out our other episodes. Check us out on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Tasty Loot Gaming. Check out my streams. Links down below. Check us out on Discord. Link down below as well. You can talk to us anytime, all time. And uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, and the podcast platforms if you prefer to listen to us. Um, yeah. And until the next episode, which will be something this week, have a good week, guys, and take it easy.